Coming up on the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast, we catch up with Williamstown VFLW captain Sarah Chapman. We chat with the women's footy editor at the Footy Almanac, Casey Simons. We also have our State Leagues wrap with Matthew Cox, Lauren Hodson and Aaron Russell, plus our London wrap with Mitch Scully. That's all coming up over the next hour. I'm Peter Holden and welcome to the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast. And a friendly reminder, you can hear this podcast as a radio program Wednesday evenings, 6pm on RSN Carnival Digital Radio in Melbourne and on the RSN Racing and Sport app. Our first guest for this week was formerly the captain of the St Kilda Sharks in the VFL Women's Competition and prior to that the VWFL. Obviously with the Sharks stepping back to the Southeast Women's League, she wanted to continue playing State League football and end up finding a home at the Williamstown Seagulls, who are making their debut in the VFLW this year. She was appointed as their inaugural captain, and it's great to have on the line Sarah Chapman. Sarah, how are you? Good, Pete. How are you? Thanks for having me. Great to have you on the line, and I have to ask you straight off the bat, um, how does it feel to be at a, a new club after all the years that you spent at the St Kilda Sharks? Yeah, it, it's it's been fantastic. You know, I've um, I spent ten seasons down at St Kilda Sharks, and and really enjoyed my time there. And I guess, you know, what's recently happened um, last year with the VFL and um, St Kilda Sharks not having a side, um, you know, I had a bit of a crossroads in my career. And Williamstown have given me an opportunity to play on, and I'm absolutely loving uh, being at a new club and and in a new environment. As we said, there's a bunch of new clubs that have obviously joined the VFLW competition. So what led to your decision to choose to play at Williamstown? Yeah, um, like I said before, I I guess for me, I was at a real crossroads in my career. Uh, Being, you know, good old age of 32 this year, I um, had to have some time to think about uh, my own footy career and an opportunity coaching-wise at local footy. I was given an opportunity to maybe coach, and so I had to sort of have a think to myself about what I wanted to do and in and, and my career. And you know, had some time over the sort of early October time, November to have a um, think about it. And just so happened that Amy sort of approached me about an opportunity to come down to Williamstown. And for me, I, I, I really felt like I um, still had some footy life left in me, um, and so I took up the opportunity with both hands. And how does it feel to be captain for a second time now at Williamstown, obviously along yeah. with your previous captaincy at the St Kilda Sharks? You know, um, when I was at St Kilda Sharks, I was uh, lucky enough to have um, a mentor while I was captain there in Shannon McFerrin. And I guess uh, she taught me a lot. And coming in this second time around, you know, the same sort of honour and privilege to be able to captain a side. But I guess... Uh, the opportunity to captain this time, it sits a little bit more, um, like it, the responsibility sits more well with me. Um, and I guess sort of all those experience, I just sort of have that more sort of older level head to be able to, to um, sort of handle the what this role entitles now. Now, obviously, you've been at the top level in state league football for 10 years, as we said, with the St Kilda Sharks, now at Williamstown. As much as you're still playing in the same league, have you noticed a difference in training and intensity and commitments, etc., compared to what you were at the Sharks to now at the Seagulls? Yeah, completely. I um I think last year we we started to see a change, especially with the AFLW's girls coming back for the first time into VFL level last year, and 
and you know being in a now semi-professional environment as well and what that entails the facilities and things we get with the physio and doctors and um is immense and, and I'm, I'm lapping it up with two <laughs> with everything that I've got I'm enjoying it and um it's great to see and and I'm so looking forward to see, seeing what the next step's going to be um, in this league and seeing the, the, those young ones being having the opportunities that I didn't once have. You played at both grounds by the bay, Peanut Farm and Out Point Jellybrand. Which is the colder and windier ground? <laughs> <laughs> Hands down, Williamstown. <laughs> um, I think when we had that one first training there and the wind was absolutely blowing um, you hear about it all the time, but until you experience for the first time, you don't realise how bad it is. <laughs> Let's have a look at the season. Now, you actually had a pretty good pre-season. You had some good results during it. The first three games haven't exactly gone your way. You had a competitive game against um, against Collingwood. The Saints got the yeah. jump on you, and uh, yesterday you struggled against the Cats side, which is preparing for AFLW. Um, what do you put that down to the last few weeks where things just haven't quite clicked on the scoreboard yet for the Seagulls? Yeah, I think you put it, um, that's it. It hasn't quite clicked. I, I think that during the game, I guess the scoreboard doesn't reflect how competitive we are. Um, you know, we've got such a young, inexperienced side, and I think these lapses within the game then end up really costing us on the scoreboard. Um, we've had some significant injuries, too, to some really key experienced players in the likes of Stacey Cross and Georgia Harris and um, Amanda Walsh. That's really affected our forward line um, and, I guess, affected our ability to convert. However, I think where we're going, um, we're starting to build a really nice brand of football. Um, and I think, watch this space, I think in the next couple of weeks you'll... Um, end up seeing some really, really competitive, consistent football from Weemstown. Is it true to say of the younger players at Weemstown, like we saw at Collingwood and like we've seen at Richmond, for the younger players, those that have come from the VAFA and have come up to their first year of playing state league football, that they're still, um, I guess, a little hesitant in their kicking action. They're not as confident to take the game on as those of yourself and others who have played state league for a number of years? Yeah, completely. And I, I, I just saying again, you know, with us not has sort of having that lack of experience, those young ones um, have got some more responsibility than we would probably like them to at first. But you know, they will work themselves in the game, um, in the games coming. And I think you know we've got some really young talent that we've seen um, some already glimpses of. We have just into Reed that came off our back line. Um, yesterday who had an outstanding game and was named best on for us and I um, and some other ones as the like of Isabel Porter who's playing on a win and you know that license for her to run and carry I think that she's going to be very explosive in the next couple of weeks and maybe you can help us with the pronunciation you've got a young star coming through the name starts with a k but it ends with a j would you mind having a go at the surname <laughs> I, I I was thinking I thought this might come up because I I've struggled with her. Her nickname's KK and that's always sticking to me. <laughs> it's very hard to announce. We just call her KK. <laughs> I think it's Colin Peggy or something like that. I'm going to have to have yeah. a week's worth of training beforehand. But, yeah. but, but, but she's one <laughs> of the young. The, but she's one of the young stars, isn't it? That, that it's been coming through from the Jets into the Seagulls. Yeah, and unfortunately at the moment she's um, suffered an injury. She's broken a finger on her hand, so. You know, that's one of those other injuries that we're talking about. Um, but she has huge, huge talent. 
Um, I think in one of our practice matches, she kicked four goals and, and really fantastic goals at that. So she's very exciting and I can't wait for her to get her to get back on the track and um, show some more talent of hers. And how important has it been for you to have some familiar faces around? Like we says, the Jazz Garner, you've got your Jenna Brutton, you've got your Rachel Champong, and obviously from Diamond Creek joining you, um, Jess Cameron, or otherwise known as Jeff Stuffin now. How is it important to have those players around you that you can rely upon and trust in that mix of younger players? Oh, it's everything. I, you know, I was lucky enough to play with Jess Stuffin now um, earlier on in my career at the Sharks. Um, you know, and obviously having Jazzy and Jenna there as well, the experience that they bring, and I guess the professionalism that they show is so important for these young girls coming through, um, just to show what is needed to play at that elite football, and that experience that they give is priceless. I'm talking about some older heads from the Sharks. I mentioned the names of Amy Catterall and Penny Kula-Reed, former teammates when you're out there on the ground at the yeah. Sharks. Both have now gone into coaching do you see that as your next logical step? Oh, look, you know, it's a, um, at the moment I'm just really looking um, and enjoying and playing my football. I guess, you know, at the end of the end of this season, I'll have a think about um, where I want to go. You know, and, I, and I'd love sort of the opportunity one day to hope um, to go into coaching and follow in the footsteps of Penny and Amy. Hey, can I just quickly mention yes. something? Um, uh, this weekend will be our Pride match too. So um, I um, please um, welcome everyone to come down to the Williamstown at 2pm to play on the Tigers where we play in a Pride match game. And I believe you're actually wearing some special jumpers for that game. Am I correct? Yes, that is correct. So um, there'll be sort of where our sash comes across normally in our Williamstown jumper. It'll be the rainbow colours and um, having our rainbow colours on the back as well, the Pride colours. So get along and support that at Point Jellybrand this weekend. Sarah, thanks very much for joining us again on Women's Australian Rules Football Radio. Thanks, Pete. Thanks for having me. Okay, a big spiel coming up as we introduce our next guest. The inaugural Women's Footy Almanac Pie Night is being held on Wednesday the 30th of May at 6.30pm. That's next Wednesday night at the Fitzroy Bowling and Sports Club, Brunswick Street Fitzroy, next to the famous uh, Brunswick Street Oval. It's $20 to get in, get your hot pies, a cold drink, an excellent conversation with their women's footy panel. The compare is our guest, who we'll speak to in a moment's time, Casey Simons from the Footy Almanac. And joining her on stage will be Kate O'Halloran, writer with The Guardian. Kirby Fenwick, former writer with Girls Play Footy, now running for the Footy Almanac and also playing footy for Redan out in the AFL Goldfields competition. There's Lucy Watkin, writer for Cricket Australia, as well as uh, being a soccer player with Ash Burton. She was a cricketer with the Melbourne Cricket Club, now playing VAFA in State League Football with Melbourne University. Oh, and by the way, hashtag what I watched has special comments for us on our VFLW match of the day. Plus, Kendra Heil, originally from the Hamilton Wildcats in Canada. She played for the Canada Northern Lights at IC14. She was a former Eastern Devils footballer. She was on the Collingwood AFLW list until she did her ACL for the second time. She's made her comeback now playing for Essendon in the VFLW. That is a terrific panel. And again, $20 entry. Get your hot pies, a cold drink, and this great panel. 6.30 p.m. Wednesday, the 30th of May at the Fitzroy Bowling and Sports Club. 
We are hoping to be there live next Wednesday and bring it to you all on RSN Carnival Digital Radio. And we actually headed down earlier in the week to the Fitzroy Bowling and Sports Club to chat with the women's footy editor at the Footy Almanac, is Casey Simons. It's a gorgeous venue here in Fitzroy. I love this place so much. It's pretty much untouched from its original era, which I love. So to have an old school footy pie night here celebrating the women's game uh, next week is so exciting. I can't wait. And the great thing is for those that come down, if you come down what's still a little bit light, you could probably have a kick on Brunswick Street Oval, the original Fitzroy home ground. Yeah, absolutely. That oval is just gorgeous. That grandstand is one of my favourite grandstands in the country. I love it. <laughs> so let's talk about the 40 Almanac as a whole for a moment, men's and women's. Uh, everyone out there has seen that just about every ex-footballer has got a media contract, a podcast, a blog or whatever. So from all of that, what makes the Footy Almanac different? The Footy Almanac is just a really great community of writers and thinkers and fans who just come together and write on what they want, what they're passionate about. It's not commissioned. People can just come on board, be a member and contribute to us. And that sort of gives us this great community of voices from different experiences, different passions, and all talking about the thing they love, which is mostly footy, but we do have a lot of sports on there that we cover as well. But I think that's what sets us apart because it's passionate, it's great writing, and it's a huge amount of different voices. Can you give us just an insight about some of the people that have written and contributed to the Women's Footy Almanac? Because this is the second one that you're publishing on the back of your inaugural one in 2017. Yeah, it's um, an incredible effort for us to bring the book um, out again. We're so excited that we were able to do it. So we've got an amazing amount of contributors this year and a lot of them are in the first book, which is great to have them back on board. And then we've also brought a lot of new contributors on as well. So... um, We've got people like Kate O'Halloran, who is a journalist for The Guardian, who's written for us, and her writing is just outstanding. Um, I've put a few pieces in myself, which I'm going to pump up a little bit because I'm really proud of them, so I'm happy that I've got some published work in there too. Um, We've got just great writers like Gillian Diet, David Wilson, Jack Bannister. um, Now I'm going to have to go through this whole list. Verity Sanders, uh, Deb Waterhouse-Watson, It's just so many that I just can't even think of them all off the top of my head. But basically, they've all come about because they've had either some involvement in the women's game, um, they've wanted to play it, they have played it, they've followed it for a long time, or they're just getting into it now, or they have kids that are starting to get into it now. So, again, it's a huge, um, diverse range of people coming together with different experiences and different voices. And we've got some interviews in there this year, which is great. So we've actually um, got some written interviews with some AFLW-listed players, so that's really exciting. And, yeah, it's just an amazing collection. I'm really proud of it. Now, do we include a whole bunch of writers from across Australia? Because there's any one criticism of AFL, uh, overall AFL men's or AFL women's, they go, oh, it's Victorian-centric. Do we have a point of view from those Fremantle supporters, Adelaide supporters, GWS and Brisbane Lions? Absolutely. Um, We've got Danae Gibson, who um, is a phenomenal writer and a massive Fremantle supporter. So she's got a lot of pieces in the book because she writes so well, even though I'm actually a West Coast supporter. So sometimes I will read her writing like, ah, Frio. (laughs) Um, But she's done some great match reports for us. We've got Georgina Georgina Hibbard, who's um, a passionate GWS supporter. So she's written some great reports for us. Um, And then we've got like a bunch of writers who are actually based in South Australia. So yeah, Verity Sanders, Dave Brown, um, and a few more who have written a lot about the Adelaide um, season this year. So I think while we do have a lot of Victorian-based writers, I think we've done pretty okay to get an even spread there. 
do you think it's harder for them to write in season two than season one? Season one, there's always a certain magic around it. Not only just the opening game for your own personal team, there's always the first game. Talking about that first season, the first time you're playing away, etc. Season two, it's almost like now we're getting down to business. Is it harder to put pen to paper? Um, from my experience, no. And from what I've read, I don't think that's affected too much of the writing. I think now we're getting a real sense of the game itself. So a lot of these writers are talking about the style of the game, um, the evolution of the teams and um, what they're building on from season one, as well as still putting their passionate fan voices in there too. So I don't think it's more difficult to write on. I think maybe it's just a little bit different. Um, sort of from my experience, I found that writing this year, I wanted to know more about the stories of the athletes after coming out of an AFLW season and then going back into a VFLW season as well and having that full year of um, all-round uh, footy. So I think there's a lot more footy chat this year, but then also, as you said, that little bit of magic has maybe disappeared a bit from that first season. We're sort of getting down to business now and with that comes a whole other set of issues. So I think while there are some sort of pressing issues that maybe haven't actually been resolved at this point in time yet that have come out of the second season of AFLW, our writers have done a really good job of sort of picking them up, giving their opinion, still being really positive about the season and uh, sort of creating that celebration that it still deserves even in its second year. It's interesting, isn't it, coming off the back of season two, I guess the biggest debate is, and I guess will we see it in the footy almanac, is about where the game is going, where its future's headed. Of course, we had the famous memo gate after round one, but obviously talk about zoning and other rules coming in. I think the Outer Sanctum coined the term a uh, fear of pinking and shrinking uh, women's football. Is there a kind of sense of that that people maybe are a little bit worried about where are we going? Yeah, I do think there's a genuine fear around our, like not just the footy almanac community, just the women's footy community in general about that sort of stuff because we haven't really seen any really definitive answers about where it's going from the people in charge. So we... Um, you know, we're nostalgic, us footy fans. We like yeah. to see the footy game that we know and love. And we've seen women play that game for a long time. So I was not um, critical of the standard of football that I saw in AFLW2. I thought it was great, contested, hard-fought football. So I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, seeing the commentary that's come out of some of those rule changes and suggestions does make me a bit fearful. And I think... Um, our writers have sort of taken that on board too and given their opinions, which is really interesting. And those are reflected in the book too. But I guess we're sort of now in that stage where we're all sort of just got our fingers crossed, hoping that going into season three, that everything still looks the same and is the game that we know and love. So fingers crossed. <laughs> Now, talking about thoughts, opinions, etc., and interviews, we've got, of course, the Women's Footy Almanac Pie Night, which we're at the very venue, the Fitzroy Bowling and Sports Club on St George's Road next to the Brunswick Street Oval. So the important thing that people need to know first is who's going to be up there on stage? Who's going to be talking? What are they going to be talking about? We've got an excellent panel, Peter. Um, I'm so excited to announce the panellists. They've all contributed to the Footy Almanac before. We've got Kate O'Halloran, Kirby Fenwick, Kendra Heil and Lucy Watkin. And they're all contributors to the women's football media space in their own right. Um, so Kate O'Halloran is an exceptional sports journalist for The Guardian. Kirby Fenwick is an amazing writer and thinker and actually produced the audio documentary the first Friday in February, which is just an exceptional piece of work. So if you haven't listened to that, definitely go have a listen. Kendra Heil is a uh, an athlete. Um, she plays F uh, VFLW for Essendon and she's a 
just an incredible artist. Um, she's painted some amazing portraits of athletes and has actually painted the front cover of our Footy Almanac book this year for the women's game. So if you haven't seen that on our social media channels, go have a look. It's an amazing portrait of Hannah Scott, which she has just absolutely nailed. And Lucy Walken is a commentator, writer, amazing thinker on the women's game and also another player. She plays for Melbourne University. So we've got a really good range of women who have been involved with the game for a long time, know what they're talking about and are really passionate about their own space in the game. So I'm really excited to talk to them about how they've written about the game, the stories that they've covered, what they're passionate about and sort of learn a bit more about their process in this media space. Interesting mix of footballers in that because Kendra Hall, of course, was technically an AFLW-listed player at Collingwood. Unfortunately, that's when she suffered her second ACL. So it was something like 900-odd days between games for her when she finally ran out in the red and black in the VFLW. Lucy Watkin, who's back and forth between state league and top level VAFA for Melbourne University, so a city club. And Kirby Fenwick, of course, who's playing, I think at Redana, if I'm correct, in the uh, AFL Goldfields competition, so playing in a country league. So we've got the uh, top state league footballer, the top VAFA footballer in Melbourne, and a country footballer. Yeah, it's a great mix. And I mean, Kirby's story is amazing that she's come out and started playing this year. I'm just so proud of her. She um, actually has an essay that's in the new book, Balancing Acts, Women in Sport, which is published by Brow Books. And at the launch of that book, she wrote um, a piece that she read aloud about playing her first game. And it almost made me want to cry, um, just that she's been able to get herself out there and she's giving it a go. I'm just so excited to talk to her more about that experience and how that's going to be reflected in her writing moving forward. So we've talked about the panel. Talk about the experience of a women's footy pie night. Well, it's something we haven't done before. So um, we're really hoping what the night's going to bring together is our Footy Almanac community, who are a great bunch of people who write for us and read us. And we always have a good time when we get together. And we're just sort of hoping to bring some more people into that and make the night just more focused on the women's game. So it's going to be pretty casual, lots of fun, hot pies, cold drinks, and just great footy chat with a great bunch of people so it should be a really fun night so again wednesday the 30th of may it's kicking off at 6 30 p.m doors opening at six yeah get here earlier if you want we'll be here in the afternoon so if you want to come down and have a chat with us beforehand and have an extra drink that would be great the panel starts at 6 30 so get here a little bit earlier for that and then we'll um kick on at the north Fitzroy arms afterwards and what's the ways that people can buy a ticket yeah, head to our website, footyalmanac.com.au or head to our social media channels. We've got the links everywhere or you can just go directly through Try Booking and just search the Footy Almanac. Can people buy at the door? Absolutely. Definitely come along if you're not able to get a ticket in um, time before the night. Just rock up and we'll definitely accommodate you. So unlike the tram that just went past, you can get a ticket at the door. Just 20 bucks to uh, get across to the Woody, Women's Footy Pie Night for the Women's Footy Almanac. Now, will copies of the Almanac be on sale at the Pie Night? We'll have copies of the 2017 Women's Footy Almanac amongst some of our other books as well, but our 2018 Women's Footy Almanac book won't actually be out to July, so we've just got to wait a little bit longer for that one. And just quickly on that, the cover's actually been released upon that. Can you describe about the artwork behind that? Yeah, as I said earlier, Kendra Heil uh, did the painting that we featured on the front cover of the Women's Footy Almanac 2018 and just talking about it gives me goosebumps because every time I look at it, I'm just so amazed at what she was able to produce. She chose the image of Hannah Scott coming back into the rooms, holding the Premiership Cup on that one day in March and 
the raw emotion that she's captured in Scotty and then also in the colouring that she's used just kind of just smacks you in the face and just like, this is amazing. Like, it's just so evocative and I was so proud um, of her for doing that for us. I just look at it and just think, I'm just like, want to cry. It's so beautiful. <laughs> Well, Casey, thank you very much again for joining us on Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival, and we wish you all the very best next Wednesday night, 30th of May, 6.30pm at the Fitzroy Bowling and Sports Club next to the Brunswick Street Oval for the Women's Footy Almanac Pie Night. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me. Time to do our State League's wrap. Let's find out what happened over the weekend in Round 3 of the Swiss Wellness VFL Women's Competition, and I've got on the line our league caller here at RSN Carnival and Matthew Cox. Coxie, how are you? Very well, Pete. Another interesting round of Swiss Wellness VFL Women's Football. We've gone three rounds into the season, and I don't think I'm any clearer about who will make finals, who will even win the grand final. I think Hawthorne and Geelong are there or thereabouts, but beyond that, uh, it's a mixed bag of lollies at the moment. Well, let's start off with one of those teams that you first mentioned. Uh, Hawthorne took on Carlton. That game was played at Box Hill on uh, Saturday morning. Carlton had actually been very strong in their uh, past two performances, coming up against an unbeaten Hawthorne. And the Hawks ended up doing it easy in the end, 9-10-64-2-1-13. Yeah, expected this game to be a bit closer than what it was. As you said, Carlton have been very strong, and they also had a a fairly strong side selected for Saturday morning's game against the Hawks. The likes of Kerrick Vesio, uh, Jess Hosking, Tilly Lucas, Rod, uh, Arnell, all featured in the side that ran out on Saturday. So we're expecting them to run Hawthorne close, considering the Hawks had a bit of a tussle with Casey the week prior. Just didn't happen. Uh, it was, uh, as you said, 1964-2-1-13. Carlton just failing to score in the first term. And uh, just having a look down at the, the statistics, 76 handballs to 37 in favour of the Hawks. It just means that they were able to use the ball uh, a lot better, uh, Hawthorne, around the ground. Emma Mackey, 29 touches and 11 tackles and also a goal for the Hawks. And the other big disposal getter on the ground for Hawthorne is a player that I would be keeping a fairly close eye on over the coming weeks, Pete. Meg Hutchins, 23 touches, nine tackles, and she also kicked a goal for the Hawks. And speaking of goal kickers, Sarah Perkins kicked two, Steph Carroll, Tamara Luke, Hutchins, Emily Gilder, Claire O'Donnell, Emma Mackey, as we've already mentioned, and Olivia Flanagan, all with singles. Whilst for Carlton, the only two goal getters, were Celine Moody and Darcy Vesio. But as I just said, Meg Hutchins, keep an eye on her performances over the next couple of weeks. She's racking up touches, playing a much more versatile role across the ground uh, and hitting the scoreboard as well. So very dangerous considering she's currently not on an AFLW list. And a game where it looked like the Demons were going to run out and take the points. The Southern Saints came back with a roaring final quarter to take the Chocolates 6-3-39 to 4-7-31. Yeah, this game down at Skybus Stadium or Frankston Oval, whatever you want to call it. And looking at how the scoreboard play out, you can only assume that there was a little bit of wind uh, down in Frankston on Saturday afternoon because... This, uh, Casey kicked two goals, five in the opening term. The Southern Saints didn't score. And in the second term, it was reversed. 2-1 to the Saints. Casey didn't score. Uh, the Southern Saints, though, had a uh, great final term, which 
got them over the line. They kicked four, four goals too to just the one major for Casey. And just looking at the statistics from this game, it, it looks as though the Southern Saints uh, applied a fair bit of pressure across the ground. 97 tackles to Casey's 67. Uh, I'm hoping that I've read that correctly. And uh, the hitouts, uh, 44 in favour of the Saints to Casey's 22. Goal kickers in the game for the Southern Saints. Kate McQueen kicked two goals. Alison Brown, Alison Drennan, Danielle Lawrence, who actually leads the goal kicking, uh, surprisingly, after three rounds of the competition with six also kicked uh, a goal on the weekend. And Megan Supple, the other goal kicker for the Southern Saints. For the Casey Demons, Kate Hall, Kalia Bent-Velson, Eden Zanka and Catherine Smith were the goal kickers for the Casey Demons. But a disappointing result, uh, two disappointing results for the Casey Demons. Would have thought they were penciled in for this one. And a good result for the Southern Saints. They've been impressive across the opening three weeks, bar their opening round match against Carlton. TIO Stadium in Darwin. I caught the first quarter of this where it was a goal-for-goal shootout, and I thought, oh, hello, we're in for a cracker of a game, and then it all stopped. The Bombers came to a complete halt after quarter time, and the NT Thunder running out winners 14-12-96 to four straight 24. Yeah, it, it was looking promising for the Bombers early, the first game of Victorian women's football that's been played interstate up in Darwin. Uh, from reports, it looks like it was uh, a fairly good night up there, which meant it would have been fairly warm for uh, the players out on the ground. So you can understand that fatigue may have set in for the Bombers in the game. Um, but they did have a brilliant first quarter. Uh, they led a quarter time, four goals straight to three goals four. Uh, and you're thinking, oh, this could be a bit of a, an upset, but then just the pure class and experience of the Northern Territory came to the fore. Angela Foley with 28 touches. Emma Swanson also racked up 19. But the Bombers, Hayley Bullis and Rebecca Neves each got 16 touches. The goal kickers in the match, Emma Swanson and Jessica Sidundry kicked two goals each, as did Michaelia Roberts and Angela Foley. So they had four goal kickers there with two apiece. And then Denny Van Hagen, Jasmine Hewitt, Renee Forth, Jordan Hickey, Georgia Bevan and Eloise Jones, all with single goals. Whilst for the Bombers, uh, good to see that Kendra Hole got on the scoreboard, her second game back after about 24 months out of football. She kicked two goals on the weekend. Alex Quigley and Danielle Ponta, the other two goal kickers. But uh, the scoreline, I think, in the end was as it uh, as expected, considering the Thunder do have a number of Crows players in the side, plus some fairly handy Northern Territory talent. And the Bombers are a very young, inexperienced list when it comes to state league level football. So it's just a, a development run for them at the moment. Sunday football, let's head first to Point Jellybrand, where it was Weemstown and the Geelong Cats. And for the Seagulls, just the four behinds on the board, Geelong 8 9 57. Good response from Geelong after the draw against Collingwood the week prior. Uh, getting, what's that, eight, eight and nine scoring shots, trying to do the maths. You know, I'm not that great at it. Uh, that's 17 scoring shots to four for Geelong um, on the weekend. So they're a little more accurate too. Uh, they had a majority of the possession, 58% uh, possession was in their hands compared to 
42% for Williamstown. Renee Garring racked up 31 touches and 11 tackles. And the other one that was fairly high up the list too is uh, one of the veterans, I think you could call her, down at the Geelong Cats, the former St Kilda Shark, Mia Ray Clifford, racked up 21 touches on the weekend as well. So her experience and guidance paying off for Geelong. Uh, for Williamstown, um, the silver lining, I suppose, for them, after only kicking four behinds, Jess Duffin uh, got collected 22 disposals and laid eight tackles in the game. But beyond that, there's probably not too much to celebrate for Williamstown, which after three rounds where you expected them to at least come away, maybe with one or two wins on the board, um, they're not travelling well at the moment for one reason or another haven't seen them live so can't comment and haven't had a chance yet to catch the the replay on vfl.com.au just yet but um just doesn't look like on the scoreboard that they're gelling at the moment and uh, able to put in a consistent performance on the park on the other side of the coin geelong uh, as i mentioned before they responded strongly after the draw on the weekend where i don't think they were playing 100 percent looks like they capitalised on the opportunities on the weekend. Goal kickers in this game, Evelyn Daramungi kicked two goals, uh, including her first ever in the VFLW. Danielle Orr, Madeline McMahon, Alicia Habib, Kate Darby, Isabel Currenty and Megan Fogus were the other goal kickers in the game for Geelong. And, uh, well, Williamstown, they uh, didn't have any. And looking at our match of the day, which was at Punt Road Oval, Collingwood 9-3-57, taking care of Richmond 2-2-14. Yeah, despite what the scoreboard suggests in this game, it was a very contested game of football. Looking at the tackle counts, there was only 10 tackles that separated both teams. Collingwood 77, Richmond 67. The hitouts uh, again, we're, we're OK. Uh, 29 to Collingwood, Richmond 19, not a big difference between the two. So it was uh, demonstrated that it was a fairly tight tussle. It was just the, the ability for Collingwood to go inside attacking 50 and be more efficient with their football use. And that was largely down to Jamie Lambert, who had a blinder of the game. She uh, was one disposal short of collecting uh, the largest number of disposals on the ground. Grace Bucken for Collingwood got that with 25 touches. Lambert, though, racked up 24 and seven tackles. And uh, we mentioned during the call on the weekend, she just seemed to be a class above the rest. And she has really taken her game to the next uh, level and providing a, an important cog, not only for the Collingwood midfield in the VFLW, but I reckon will be a very important cog for them come the 2019 season in the AFLW. For Richmond, uh, Jacqueline Graham collected 21 disposals on the weekend. And uh, despite uh, the 2-2-14 scoreline, I think they held their heads high. They did play uh, a fairly good brand of football. They had opportunities too in the first half. They had a, a couple of five-minute windows where they just failed to capitalise on the scoreboard, hence the reason for the bit of a blowout. But uh, a respectable performance for Richmond. Their goal kickers on the weekend, Justin Hock Justine Hocking, and Ella Ross, whilst for Collingwood, uh, the player I was talking about before, Jamie Lambert, kicked two. Gabrielle Bynum wing Webster uh, provided an option up forward. She kicked a goal, as did Emily Browning, Rebecca Grant, Holly Whitford, Sarah Darcy, Sarah Dargan, and Paige Nash.
And the buys for that round for Darabont, Melbourne Uni and the Western Bulldogs. Let's have a look towards round four. We start on Saturday morning at 10 past 11. Melbourne Uni hosting the NT Thunder at Avalon Airport Oval in Werribee. This will be an interesting game. It's uh, the first game that the Northern Territory Thunder have had to back up uh, from, given that they had the buy in round two. So first real chance we get to see what the effects of the the travel will have on the Northern Territory Thunder. I'd expect them to get over the line. Muggers after the week off uh, would have been a good chance just to reassess after the first couple of rounds where uh, they've had a couple of average performances. Um, lost to Geelong in round one, just got over the line against the Bombers in round two. So expecting the Northern Territory Thunder to get the win, but uh, hopefully the Muggers are competitive. Saturday, 12pm at Bill Laurie Oval in Northcote. Darabin hosts the Casey Demons. Need to uh, find myself a coin to toss for this match because I'm unsure which way to go. Darabin uh, came out in round two and had a comprehensive victory over the Tigers. But uh, we know that their round one loss to the Northern Territory Thunder was, uh, well, wasn't great. And the Casey Demons, uh, two losses to to begin the season, would have thought they would have got a win. So going to be a tight tussle. I'll go for Casey purely on the talent on their list. Um, But wouldn't be surprised if Darabin give them a bit of a shake at their home ground. Saturday, 2pm at VU Witten Oval, the Western Bulldogs host Collingwood. Tell you what, it's a must-win game for the Western Bulldogs, or at least they need to show some competitiveness and some fight after a couple of disappointing rounds in round one and two. Um, They just need to show something on the scoreboard. Collingwood, I think, will get the win here, and it could be as much as five or six goals. GMHBA Stadium, Saturday, 4.30pm, Geelong host Carlton. Curious to see how Carlton respond to their round three loss. I'd be expecting the Cats to get over the line in this one. It is on their home deck as well, so they'll hopefully have a, a fairly decent crowd supporting them. So expecting the Cats to win, but I think it should only be about two or three goals. I think Carlton will bounce back. Sunday, 2pm at Point Jellybrand, Williamstown host Richmond in the Pride game. Yeah, similar to the Bulldogs, the Seagulls need to show a bit of fight uh, in this game. Um, they haven't, unfortunately, they they just haven't strung one together yet and they need to be competitive. Based on the performance on the weekend for Richmond, I'm going with them. I think uh, they were competitive enough on the weekend. They just have to hit up a few targets up forward, and I reckon there's a couple of magnets that they can shift around uh, from the weekend in Tessariero and maybe even Stevenson sent her for a patch forward uh, just to straighten them up a little bit. So going with the Tigers in this one, but uh, hoping Williamstown can pull out a good performance similar uh, to the Bulldogs because otherwise there's going to be a fair bit of pressure on their shoulders. And finally, our RSN Carnival match of the day and also video streamed on vfl.com.au. At Trevor Barker Beach Oval, 11.30am bounce down Sunday morning. The Southern Saints host Essendon. Be very, very curious to see how this game pans out. Southern Saints have had a couple of impressive performances and will no doubt be full of confidence. Essendon coming off the trip to Darwin. Um, so I wonder how much that will play not only into their 
physical uh, ability on the weekend, but also their mentality, mentality just the, the fact that they've uh, had to be on a plane for a couple of hours and travel into state and to some warmer weather. So it'll be curious to see how they respond. Hopefully they show that bit of flair that we got glimpses of in round one and uh, showed during the first quarter against the Thunder on the weekend. But the Southern Saints, they're just flying under the radar at the moment. They're being led very well by Peter Sell. I'm going to tip them based on current form. Um, and uh, I think they can get over the line by about three or four goals. And Hawthorne having the bye this week. Coxie, thanks very much for joining us here on Women's Australian Rules Football. And we look forward to your company Sunday morning from 11am as we present the Southern Saints versus Essendon on RSN Carnival. No worries, Pete. Looking forward to what should be a good game between two developing sides. Make sure you got the coffee ready. Now, there was a general buy over the weekend for the AFL Canberra first grade women's competition, but they're back again for round five this weekend. On Saturday, the 26th of May, 2.30pm at Allen Ray Oval, Ainsley host Gungarland. Sunday, 27th of May, Greenway Oval, 12pm, Tugranong host Eastlake. And on Sunday, the 27th of May at 4pm at Allensure Park, Quimbian host Bell Connor. Likewise, in the AFL Sydney Women's Premier Division, a general buy over the weekend. They're back again this week. And to give us some tips on who should win, we've got on the line from Sydney, Lauren Hodgson. Lauren, how are you? Yeah, good. Thanks, Peter. How are you? Not too bad at all. Hope you enjoyed the week off. But we're back to it again this week. All games on the Saturday, round seven. Keen to get your tips, though. Let's start with the early game, 9am at Henson Park. Uh, the UNSW Eastern Suburbs Bulldogs, they're taking on the Newtown Breakaways. Yeah, look, very early start. Uh, um, definitely don't miss those from my playing days, that's for sure, Peter. Look, I think the Bulldogs... Um, I think the Bulldogs will get the win here. You know, they're they're second on the ladder um, and they've only lost one game. And uh, obviously the the breakaways are in the bottom half of the ladder. So, yeah, I'm I'm expecting uh, the Bulldogs to uh, win this game uh, coming up. And let's have a look. Saturday, 26th of May, 1pm at Pickett Oval. The Western Wolves host Macquarie University. Yeah, look, um, the Wolves would be happy to be having this game at home. Um, You know, they've come off a win. Uh, in their in their last game before the break, um, but I think the Warriors are just going to be too good for them, um, and will get the win comfortably. Two thirty p.m. at Sydney Uni Oval, the Sydney Uni Bombers host the Auburn Penrith Giants. I think this one's going to be a really interesting game. Um, I think both sides uh, are actually fairly evenly matched, um, whilst the the Giants sit a game ahead on the ladder. Um, I think Sydney Uni have got a couple of their uh, their top line players back, so I think it's going to be a really close game. Uh, and tipping the the Bombers for this one. And finally, two thirty p.m. at Trumper Park, the UTS Shamrocks host the Southern Power. Yeah, look again. I think this is a going to be another close one, and you know we've said that quite a few times this year, uh, Peter. And, and I think that's just because the competition's a lot more even this year. Um, I think the power will be uh, will be taking the points in this one in a close game against the Shamrocks. Well, Lauren, thanks again for joining us this week on Women's Australian Rules Football and RSM Carnival. And we look forward to catching up with you next week as we review Round 7 of the AFL Sydney Women's Premier Division. 
Yeah, looking forward to it, Peter. Thanks for having me on the program. And taking a look at the results on the Tasmanian State League women's competition, round five over the weekend. On Saturday, Clarence 7-6-48 defeated Launceston 4-5-29. While on the Sunday, Glenorchy 14-12-96 defeated Bernie No Score Tigers having the bye. Looking ahead to round six of the competition, both games on the Sunday and both starting at 12pm. At the Twins Oval, the Tigers host Glenorchy, while at Windsor Park, Launceston host Bernie Clarence with the bye this weekend. Let's take a look back at round seven action in the WAWFL League Division over the weekend. All games were played on Sunday and Claremont 2-2-14 went down to Swan District 7-9-51. South Fremantle 2-1-13 defeated by Peel Thunderbirds 19-16-130. West Perth 9-12-66 defeated the Perth Angels 2-5-17 and Subiaco 2-1-13 defeated by East Fremantle 9761. Let's find out what happened in the QWAFL over the weekend. And joining us on the line, our regular reporter from Queensland, it is the former Premiership coach himself in Aaron Russell. Aaron, how are you? Uh, Peter, awesome. Had a uh, good week of footy. Um, yeah, the season's really starting to take shape now, and we're getting a, a closer look at how it might uh, come season's end. So, it's, it's, we're getting coming to an interesting part of the season. Everyone's pretty much played everyone once, so it's good. Yeah, a couple of big results on this weekend. Let's start, first of all, with uh, the UQ Red Lions against Maroochydore. University of Queensland winning that one, 11-14-80 to 3-3-21. Yeah, too right, as you say, Pete. Uh, no real close game, so it definitely wasn't a round for viewing, uh, unless you were the, the spectator of of the winning side. But, um, yeah, big winners were UQ and they've been, uh, you know, need, really needing to register a good result like that. So, um, you know, at, at home, um, they, they, they run out pretty big winners in the end. Uh, Bree Conan was the star of the match, um, as, as a lot might expect. Uh, great to see her in some good form, um, at quaffle level. Um, I think that's her third, second game, third game now she's played. So, um, yeah, she also ended up with three goals, which is something Breed doesn't generally end up with, uh, kicking up a goal. Um, that was good. Played a little bit of a different role for her. Um, Megan Hunt also in, in great form, um, for them. And, um, that's, that's pleasing to see, uh, as well. And Ruby Blair also having a great match. Um, was on the Lions list last year, uh, coming out of under 18s. Um, Yet to register a game in AFLW, but oh, look, it can't be that far away. Her debut in AFLW, I really love the way she goes about her footy. Um, tough as nails, um, smart player, oh, great ball user. Um, can't wait to see her running around and getting her, her chance at AFLW level, hopefully soon. Uh, but great to see her getting into some form um, for her new club in UQ. Bond University one two eight going down to the all conquering Wilston Grange Gorillas twelve thirteen eighty five. Yeah, running hot, aren't they? Um, Bond were all uh, always going to be up against it against uh, Wilson this weekend, and um, yeah, but, you know I guess they had the advantage of being at home, but it, it wasn't anywhere near enough um, against a, uh, a on fire uh, Wilson Grange outfit. Um, you know they are they're they're running it. Um, almost what is full strength side for them. Um, you know, you have a look at the, the players <laughs> popping up and, um, none other than Kate Lupkins. Uh, Lutzi had a, had a, had a great game for them and, um, you'd probably expect nothing less, wouldn't you? Um, Jamie Stanton, who is just coming along uh, in leaps and bounds. Um, in her attitude, she, 
she's got a sort of attitude of football that's always gonna going to improve. Um, she actually kicked four goals, which would be a PB for her um, since playing footy, um, which is which is great. But yeah, way too strong for for uh, um, Bond Uni on the weekend. But notably, Ariana Clark, uh, the best player for Bond Uni on on the weekend, um, uh, which is great. Her getting some form and. And looking forward to um, her second season in AFLW next year um, on the back of what should be a good season for her at a, a new club. So, yeah, unfortunately, uh, only kicking the one goal in that game was Bond um, and Wilson way too strong and still showing they're, they're definitely the team to beat and, and giving Bond a little lesson. And um, Bond sort of knows where they need to be if they're going to compete with the best um, come season's end. Cooper Roo, 10 3 63 defeating Coolangatta Tweed 2 9 21. Yeah, we, we labelled this one the match of the round. Um, Cooper Roo versus Cooley. There's been some fantastic encounters uh, between these two clubs um, over the last couple of years. Uh, you know, looking at the score, it was fairly close um, at quarter time, half time, definitely still in it. Um, and then they just started to kick away and, and, uh, and Cooley not. Not able to even score a goal um, in the second half. Um, you know, Cooper has sort of got, come away with a comfortable win. Uh, still, still missing missing a couple. Probably notably um, for for Cooley uh, is obviously Leah Kassler, who, who, who didn't play. Which you know, she's definitely the um, most most impactful player that Cooley can put out on the park. Um, but good to see Cooper getting some, starting to get some traction now. And, and getting some players back. Tori Groves Little, who's one to watch, uh, come through the under-18s program. Uh, three goals, was named in the best for them. Um, she's sort of sort of a, uh, a Kate McCarthy type um, for, the, for the onlookers, uh, with that sort of speed and run and carry, village run and carry. One thing Tori brings to the game, though, is um, overhead marking capability. Um, very good overhead for a player of... of um, you know, her size um, can still run and carry the footy. So she's a really good one to watch, kind of like a, a Jaden Hunt type. Good overhead, still can run the footy um, as well. So she's definitely one to watch um, coming up um, as well. But, yeah, but in the end, uh, Cooper is too, too strong um, for Cooley on the weekend. And, um, yeah, the ladder's starting to take shape. And, uh, yeah, you're really thinking now it's going to come from someone um, Wilson, uh, are gonna, you think they're going to be there in the end, but the challenge has got to come from someone, whether it's going to be Cooley or Kuparu, you know, whether Yuronga are going to piece it together or, or UQ are going to be able to string enough games together. I think if they can somehow edge into the finals, um, they've got some top-end talent that could really see them um, you know, cause, cause some side some grief um, come finals time, but are they going to be able to win enough games to jump over other sides currently in front of them? Um, in you know, the likes of Yeronga or Bond. Uh, so, yeah, it's starting to take shape. It's going to be an interesting season. Yeronga South Brisbane with the bye. Looking to round seven, Bond University have the bye at Leishon Park, 3.45pm on Saturday. Yeronga South Brisbane versus Maroochydore. Yeah, look, Yeronga uh, starting to put together some footy. Um, Maroochydore, uh, uh, you know, going to have a challenge you'd, you'd expect week after week. Um, they travel down to, to Brizzy to play Yoronga. I think Yoronga um, are going to be too too strong for them in the end in this in this game. But you know, for them, it's all about really what 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 can they do and how much can they improve those girls that are that are coming in those new, new girls. Um, 
what, what level can they get them up to? You know, we know they've got some, some champion players in Bates and, and Zanchetta, but, but how much can those girls um, bridge the gap? Um, and, and now it's just all about building building towards finals. And they've got to get there first, of course. Um, but building, what, what, what sort of damage can they do? Um, how, how, how much can they, can they bridge the gap between, um, I guess the side they've got right now and, and where they were at, uh, this time last year? Um, we know obviously coming away with the premiership. So they've got a, got a, got a tough, um, a tough road to September ahead of them to defend the premiership title. But I think they'll be too strong, uh, for Mujidor on the weekend. 4.45 p.m. Coolangatta Tweed host Wilston Grange. Yeah, look, uh, this, this um, you know, obviously the advantage, Cooley at home, always tough to beat um, on, on the home turf. Uh, I think it's really hard to tip against Wilson at the moment, isn't it? They're playing some scintillating footy at times and, you know, they're, they're definitely putting, in terms of strength, the strongest part, team on the paddock um, each week. Uh, it's, it's really hard to see how they get, where they're going to get beaten, um, right now. And I, I don't think, I think it can come, um, but it's, I don't think it's going to come just yet. I don't think it's going to be this weekend, uh, against Cooley. I think they're going to go down there and, um, and, and, and really push them, um, Cooley up, up against it at home. Um, you know, that, that right now, I think all the sides are thinking that Wilson, that that's the scalp to take and, and they know what, um, if they're going to challenge for the end, that's that's who they're, they're probably aiming for at the moment, and Cooley will get their shot on the weekend um, to do that. But uh, I think Wilson are going to be too strong at home. And the final game of round seven, Saturday, May 26th at 4:45 p.m. at Giffen Park, Cooper Roo hosts the UQ Red Lions. Yeah, I think this will be the match of the round again. Um, Cooper Roo, VUQ, uh, uh, both of these sides are starting to get a little bit. Uh, a few more players back each week. Uh, they're starting to build um, in terms of form, uh, starting to put some things on the board. I think it's uh, going to be probably a good game. Um, home ground advantage, I wouldn't think be too much. Uh, we've had a couple of girls from UQ go over to Cooperoo and two from um, Cooperoo go over to UQ in the last couple of years. So these two sides are building a bit of a, a rivalry, um, which can also make for a, for a hot contest. So I'd really expect a hot, a hot contest early. Um, you know, whichever team, whichever team falls away, um, first is probably the team that's, that's, that's going to lose. Uh, but yeah, boy, this, this could really shape up to be, be a good game. I think UQ are starting to put it together. They had a really good win last weekend. Um, Cooperu doing the same. So, uh, it's shaping up to be a fantastic, fantastic game. Um, you know, very, very, be, be, I think one and lost in the midfield here. Um, you know, uh, UQ have got some uh, some real firepower up there, um, and uh, in the middle. So it's going to be really interesting contest, but could go either way, and that's what, that's what you want in footy. So it should be good. Well, Aaron, thanks very much for joining us here on Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival. And we look forward to catching up with you next week when we review Round Seven of the QWAFL. Thank you. Thanks, Peter. Let's check out the results from the Adelaide Footy League Women's Division 1 competition. Round 5 was played over the weekend on Saturday night at Salisbury Oval. The Magpies, 14-8-92, defeated Fitzroy, 4-2-26. On Sunday, University Oval, Adelaide Uni, 6-6-42, defeated Port Adelaide, 3-6-24. Whilst uh, at Victor Hub Oval, Christie's Beach, 6-1-37, defeated Morpherville Park, 
2-1-13. Looking ahead to round six action being played this weekend on Saturday to 10pm at John Bice Memorial Oval. Christie's Beach hosts the Port Adelaide Magpies. Sunday, 2.50pm at University Oval, Adelaide Uni hosts Salisbury. Whilst at Fitzroy Sports Club, 3pm, Fitzroy host Morfittville Park. And if you haven't done so already, I recommend you go onto YouTube and search for Adelaide Footy League Women's because they're actually been streaming their games. It's caught me by surprise. And not only that, it's not just a one-camera stream, multiple angles, very professional production, graphics, the whole lot, commentary. Uh, check it out, Adelaide Footy League Women's on YouTube to watch back some of their games in full. It's actually pretty impressive coverage. Let's now head overseas and find out what's happening in the AFL London Women's League. And it's great to have on the line Wandsworth Demons and England Vixens coach Mitch Skelly. Mitch, how are you? I'm great, thanks, Pete. Yeah, another sunny day in London, which always keeps the spirits high. <laughs> well, I think everyone's spirits are very high after the uh, wedding that everyone was talking about. And it's just so <laughs> weird to see on uh, Saturday night Australian time more people tweeting about the wedding than tweeting about the footy. Yeah, this is my first royal wedding since living in the UK, I think, and uh, it's amazing how much media coverage there is. Whether it's the dresses, how people arrive, what they're wearing, yeah, it's just everything. So, it's over, we can talk about sport and other stuff again. Yes, back to normality, and that was a couple of weeks ago where I believe you had your first training for the England Vixens as you warm up for the Euro Cup. Yeah, it was great. We had our first session, um, we had a training session in London. So that was my first session as coach. We brought in a bunch of new, new women to the sport. Well, not just the sport, but new to the England setup. Um, we just did some skill drills and just did match scenario and that sort of thing as we lead towards the Euro Cup. So that's really exciting. Um, some of the, some of the older players said that the, the standard this year has just gone up a notch from what it was last year. Um, and with the talk of, Facing you know, AFLW's chorus tournament in, uh, in Ireland, I think we're going to have to step up that game a bit more. It's really exciting. Yes, the Euro Cup to be held in Cork this year, and I guess that's the interesting thought that's going through everyone's mind. Who from England could line up against Cora Staunton if she does play for the Banshees? Yeah, well, we've got a couple of uh, elite premiership level rugby players, so maybe we'll have to put a, a physical hard tag on her and trying to negate her influence, I think. Um, yeah, it'll, it, it's really good. It's great for the game. And, you know, obviously, if they're stepping up, means we've got to step up. So it's the standard's going to get better and better. And um, you know, in, just if you read the Irish papers, Cora is huge. Just the name Cora, everyone knows who you're talking about. So, um, yeah, that brings more people to the game and gets more people playing footy. Um, it's just a great result. And talking about footy, we quickly ran through the results last week, but we'll just quickly touch on them again with you and your thoughts uh, from round two that was played over the uh, weekend prior uh, for the AFL London Women's League. First of all, in the Premiership, um, the Hawks went down to the Wildcats. Big surprise there. The Hawks just the one behind the Wildcats, 3 9 27. Yeah, so I think the Hawks might be a bit disappointed. That was the Wildcats' first win in the Premiership division, but um, I think it just shows that it is pretty even, it's unpredictable. And maybe the Hawks had a couple out, maybe the Wildcats had a couple back, so anything's possible in this league at the moment. The Wandsworth Demons, 2 1 13, uh, defeating the North London Lions by just three points, 1 4 10. Yeah, that game was obviously up there for that one. That was an absolute battle. It was wet, it was hard, um, it was physical, but it just played in really good spirits. And obviously, we managed to get the line at the end, but uh, yeah, we saw in the midfield Kylie Rosso for the Lions and Bianca Valenciennes from the Demons. They all head to head all day. At each other's throats. Then after the game, they 
Miles Hunt. So it was just a really good game of footy. Um, and I think, you know, that, that probably shows that hopefully we're the top two teams at the end of the year and we have a few more big battles. Uh, to the Women's Conference, uh, the Putney Magpies 5-22-52, defeating West London no score. Yeah, I only actually looked at the score this morning. I, I, I knew they won 50 to nil, but sort of 5-22, so that could have been an absolute mauling had they kicked straight. Um, that said, I'm pretty sure that's Putney's first ever win in the regular season, so that's awesome for them. Um, we told D Carey in their midfield, she was everywhere, best on ground, so... Yeah, they're, they're improving as the weeks go on and as the season comes, so that's good for the problem. And uh, Wandsworth reserves uh, one straight six uh, going down to the London Swans, one three nine. Yeah, another one, like I said, with the, the Lions game, was at the same ground, same, same day, both very um, games. And I think in that one, the Swans had our measure. Um, they're able to use it. They're a bit quicker around the contest, breakaway speed, a lot more inside fifty. Yeah, the Demons girls held on for a while, but um, it was low scoring, but the Swans definitely had a lot more opportunities than the Swans I'm suggesting. You know? So they're, they're a really good team undefeated. You know? Let's have a look at the round three results. This was uh, over the weekend, just gone. Uh, North London Lions 10-10-70, uh, defeating the West London Wildcats, just the three behinds. Boy, the North London Lions turned on the form. Oh yeah, they um yeah, so obviously the Wildcats coming up a win, they probably would have gone in confident. Uh, but yeah, the Lions have yeah, they've really they've mauled their that Lions do I guess or Lionesses. Uh they had the Ramon and Turners back and when they're back back on board for the Lions, they're a really hard team to beat. So um yeah, back to the drawing board for the Cats, I think. And the Wandsworth Demons thirteen twelve ninety defeating the Southeast London Giants who were donuts, no score. Yeah, so uh replay of last year's grand final and obviously we're happy to come away with the win again. So that was I think that's the highest score we've had as a club in our women's team, so that was that was amazing and it shows I think when the sun's out and it's a nice dry day, um, you know, the skills on display in that game from that team were awesome. Uh Naomi Fumano up front was was she was super. I think we even put the fullback trip down to the four down and she bagged three goals in the last quarter. So yeah, we couldn't be happier. Um for the Giants Laura Quinn from their team, she fought hard all day long. I just think we didn't have enough people to go with her. So, yeah, great, great day for us. So, to the Women's Conference and uh, the London Swans, 4 6 uh, defeated Partney 2 3 15. Yeah, um, Swans, as we said before, undefeated, kept that run going. So, they had a nice 15 point win over Partney. Um, but having a look at that result, it just shows. Partner gets better each week. Um, so I think they'll be pushing really hard to get that second spot behind this one as the season goes on. So, yeah, it sounds like a good game of footy over in Hackney. And in the Battle of the Reserves, uh, the Wandsworth Demons 1-1-7 going down to the West London Wildcats 2-2-14. Yeah, so that was a, another tight game between those two. Um, Friday night footy on Clapham Common, so it was... Plenty of people down there enjoying their, enjoying their knockoff years after work and watching some footy. Um, that was the Wildcats' first win in the conference division. So, yeah, over the past couple of weeks, we've had teams in both divisions getting their first, uh, first of a win. So it's really good for the game. It's obviously an even comp. Um, Sandra Stevenson for the Wildcats, she was dominant. She'll probably be hoping for a call up next week. Um, from the other side, Doris Burkage, but she was our liveliest forward, kicked our only goal and helped us sustain the game as the, you know, into the last quarter, but yeah, Wildcats are too good on the occasion. 
And when's the next round of footy due in the AFL London Women's League? Okay, well, we've got uh, another bank holiday weekend this, this week, so there's no footy on. Uh, and then the week after, we've got Demons host Putney in a Thursday night fixture in the Women's Conference. Um, so obviously, you know, my Demons club loves to get a win, but I think Putney might actually take the points there, as I said, trying to push for second spot. Uh, meanwhile, the West Bottom Wildcats will host the London Swans on Saturday. Um, I think the Swans will keep their unbeaten run going. And then again, you know, Saturday week in the Premiership Division, only one game, uh, split round Premiership, and the Giants are hosting the Lions at Peckhamara Common. Uh, based on recent results, I think the Lions might have their measure, but as we've seen, anything can happen. So, yeah, it's really exciting season at the moment. Well, Mitch, thank you very much for joining us here on Women's Australian Rules Football and RSN Carnival. We look forward to catching up with you next week, or sorry, the week after, to uh, review round four of the AFL London Women's League. Thanks, Pete. Yeah, we'll enjoy the weekend off and get stuck into it in a couple of weeks. Well, that wraps things up for yet another week. A reminder that we'll be on air Sunday morning, 11 a.m., to bring you the Swiss Wellness VFL Women's Match of the Day between the Southern Saints and Essendon from Trevor Barker Beach Oval in Sandringham. Radio coverage beginning Sunday morning at 11 a.m. It will also be video streamed, taking our radio call for the commentary from 11.30 a.m. via the vfl.com.au website. So RSN Carnival bringing you all the action from Trevor Barker Beach Oval Sunday morning, Southern Saints versus Essendon round four of that VFL women's competition. Looking forward to it. I look forward to your company next Wednesday from 6pm. All being well, you should be hearing us live from the Fitzroy Bowling and Sports Club for the Women's Footy Almanac Pie Night. Looking forward to it. Until then, it's bye for now.